edition of the Four Wide Salute podcast. I am back for your regularly scheduled programming. So, we had a lot of racing going on this past week. A lot. So, let's start with Monday. Monday, Volusia. Up Mods ran. Dirt Car Late Models ran. The Upmon feature, for those of you who don't watch Upmons, was actually fairly entertaining. Justin Allgaier picked up the win. And Nick Hoffman was named the Big Gator champion for the Upmons. Congrats to him. Congrats to actually both of them. Uh, Dirt Car Late Models T-Mac put on a show. Tuesday, back at Volusia, we have the Super Dirt Car Series and the Dirt Car Late Models once again. Super Dirt Series winner, Stu Treason. Stewie pretty much dominated that whole race. Uh, actually, I think at one point, I'm not sure if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, he actually had a bad restart, fell back a little bit, and had to go back up through. Actually, it might have been Wednesday. Uh, dirt Car Late Models on Tuesday was none other than the smooth operator, Bobby Pierce. Wednesday at Volusia, uh, Super Dirt and the World of Outlaw Late Models. Super Dirt. Stuart Friesen once again. And what about all late models? Who has now listed himself as a rookie of the year contender from right in my backyard, the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler. Kyle put on a great show. Uh, for those of you who did not watch the feature, the he started eight, tenth, somewhere in there. And towards the end of the race, maybe the last 10 laps, guys started blowing right rears or getting up into the fluff into the wall. And Kyle just kind of picked himself through the last couple of spots and then um, held off the uh, you know, second, third place for the last few laps. Great show for him. Uh, you know, almost is missing half a finger. So congrats to him on his, it was his second out of three nights in a late model winning. Um, as he did not run Monday night at Volusia. So congrats to, to Kyle Strickler on that. Thursday, Volusia, again, Super Dirt Car, and the World of Outlaw Elite Models. This was a fun night. Um, they had rain hit during the beginning of the third heat for the late models. Did not fire back off anything until about quarter after 11 o'clock at night, East Coast. Uh, I did not stay up and watch. It was absolutely impossible. And I woke up to Twitter on Friday morning to all of these memes about Matt Max and Matt Shepard. And like, well, I was going to watch the replay, but now I need to immediately and saw what went on where uh, Max may have gotten into Shepard a little bit and turned one of the first lap. And after the races, uh, Matt Mustu gave Max his opinion uh, in the pits. And it was uh, quite entertaining. I'm sure for those of you who don't know, you can very easily find this stuff in social media for yourself. Um, I'll keep my opinions to myself other than I thought I saw contact, intentional or not. I can't make that call. But Mad Max ended up winning the feature. And the Outlaws, uh, Outlaw Late Models saw the mailman, Devin Moran, pick up the win. Uh, I don't think the... Super Dirt Car feature, which was the second feature of the night, get off until maybe 12.30 in the morning. It finally kicked off. Track was very heavy, very slimy. Um, 
there were a bunch of guys in the late models who didn't even come back out for the rest of the heats. They decided to pack it in. T-Mac went home after, uh, I think he blew it up. So yeah, it was very inter- it was very interesting to say the least. Uh, USAC sprints were at Bubba's. Congrats to Timmy Buckwalter set quick time. Uh, his second time setting quick time for USAC and both at Bubba's. Your winner, KTJ, knocked the monkey off his back. Uh, it was great seeing him very uh, happy in victory lane. And East Bay had the king of the 360s. You, Danny Martin Jr. was your winner. On to Friday, back of Volusia, Sur- uh, Super Dirt Car Series again, World of Outlaw Late Models again. Super Dirt Car Series winner, Mike Maresca. Hats off to him for the win. Outlaw Late Models went to... The original Big Sexy, sorry, Sean Merkel, if you're listening, but the original Big Sexy, Brandon Overton, gets his first win uh, for the Dirk Car Nationals. Interesting enough, he has not won there before. Bubba's USAC sprints again. Timmy Buckwalder for the second night in a row sets quick time. Unbelievable for the Latier team. Uh, hats off to them. And uh, thanks, Timmy, for the interview you gave on Flow. Made us laugh. We know you. We love you. It's entertaining. Uh, USAC Sprint's winner was Justin Grant. Congrats to him. East Bay, king of the 360s. The Steel City Outlaw part-time PA Posse, now full-time PA Posse, Western PA Posse, whatever you want to call him. Tim Schaefer was your winner. Uh, The Outlaw Sprints at Dixie were canceled way ahead of time. They canceled, I believe, on Tuesday. Saturday, Crickets, nothing, everything canceled. And I mean everything. Volusia, canceled. Bubba's, canceled. East Bay, canceled. Talladega Short Track, canceled on Tuesday. It was very strange not watching racing in my house. It was strange. Two and a half weeks straight, race every night. It was a turd. But it's the way it is. Uh, your Volusia Dirt Car Nationals, the winner for the Super Dirt with the Big Gator, went to Mad Max. Congrats to him on his first Big Gator. Outlaw Late Models, Devin Moran, the mailman, who I guess did not even originally want to go to Volusia, decided to show up, and boom, takes home a Big Gator. Uh, I will say the funny part about the big, the uh, the Gator was... Tuesday, seeing Stu in Victory Lane, and we all know Parker. Parker's entertaining. Parker's awesome. And Parker wanted a Gator, so Stewie gave him the Gator trophy. And I think Parker was in the impression they were going to hand him a live Gator, and he proceeded to throw it on the ground, as well as chuck the checkered flags onto the ground. Parker was awesome, entertaining for sure. Uh, that's all I have for now. Outlaws, uh, Outlaw Sprints will be in Mississippi, Louisiana, Friday and Saturday, I believe. Dirt Car uh, Modifieds do not start up again for another month, maybe two. All-Stars are done for a while. It's uh, it's going to be quiet on the racing front. I think we might get some late model stuff here and there. Nothing point-wise for Lucas Oil coming up or the Outlaws that I'm aware of. So it looks like just Outlaw Sprints and USAC's done for a little bit too. So uh, Icebreaker is still scheduled as of today for this upcoming Saturday. I don't see it happening. Uh, 
I want to be there as much as my wife does, and I don't think it's happening. So we'll see what happens if they reschedule it for the day after or the week after. Uh, you know, we'll keep you posted on that right here on the Four Wise Salute podcast. But that is all I have for you at the moment. I'm waiting for Daytona to dry. If they run tonight, who knows? If not, tomorrow's President's Day. I ain't got to work. I got all, all the time in the world to watch it. So, uh, well, happy Valentine's to uh, all of you listening. And we're going to jump into this week's interview with the kid's kid, Billy Pouch Jr. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week. Like a welcome my guests at this time, the 2015 Big Diamond Speedway Champion, the 2017 and 2019 New Egypt Speedway Champion, the four-time Action Track USA Speedster Champion, the 2018 Action Track USA Wingless 600 Champion, the 2020 Georgetown Speedway Champion, and the 2020 winner of the Short Track Super Series Anthracite Assault and the York County Nationals, Mr. Billy Pouch Jr. Billy, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Well, not bad. At least you reminded me I could still drive after my Florida trip. So it's always good to hear some of that stuff. And uh, glad to be on Merck's son's uh, podcast. Right away, you had to go right there. Aye, aye, aye. I went right away to it, boys. Uh, you said this was this was about having fun and talking. So we're going to start out and have a little funny conversation. You know, the first time I met you, you called me Jake's son. You remember that? Nah, Merck's older. You can't be Jake's son. I mean, I mean, if you had hair like Jake, we'd be okay. But there's no, there ain't no hair. If anybody listens to the full wide, there, uh, there's a big difference, you know. All right, we'll start off with the hot topic question. Uh, how was your trip to Florida? I'm not sure it was the trip you were exactly hoping for, but uh, how'd it go down there? Oh, Florida. Hey, I just come back from it. Wish I would have stayed. It's uh, snowy and cold up here in the Northeast. So, I don't know, man. I, you take it with a grain of salt. I thought it was a terrible trip, but I mean, we not that it was points. We ended up eighth out of all the points on three nights, so I guess it wasn't the worst, Casey. If that makes any sense? Um, open night, we started 10th, and I got up to 4th, and then faded to 7th. It just got tight. The second night, I took the lead and freaking got wicked tight again and backed it up. Uh, practice day, the throttle stuck, which is a long story short. That took us and how to fix the car after that and figured out what it was because the same thing happened in Port Royal. And then Saturday, we started 27th, got all the way up to 5th, and the secondaries on the carburetor were giving me issues now because I think from the wreck, it kind of met bested. So I I couldn't get the car to idle down to 3,500 after I got running. And then it screwed my entry up, and there I went backwards again and ended up 12th. So, yeah, it was shitty, uh, for lack of better terms. But we had speed. If I didn't have speed, Casey, I would be more pissed, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I remember on Saturday they interviewed Timmy during the redraw, and he was talking about that's pretty much what they were searching for the whole time was speed. And, and I had multiple people tell me how fast I look when I got it in there right, but I couldn't get it dynamic. And that was the first time I changed to a, you know, a different uh, shot coil package um, for down there. Actually, the first time I've ever had coils in the 96. So it wasn't the worst. We talked about doing this since July. This was going to be our trip to go down and experiment and try it. And that's what we did. I mean, we, we were better than I thought. You want to go every time, but you also got to learn. So I'm pretty tickled pink with what I came back with, I think to justify what's going to take to my own car and what it's going to take when we roll out in 40 days to Georgetown through the snow. So from what we can tell on 
on TV, Bubba's looked like a very tricky track with the sweeping turns in one and two and the almost 90 degree turn and in, in turn four. Uh, how exactly tricky is that place? You know, Florida screws you up. So what's wrong with all the Florida tracks? Not wrong. You got to remember, Florida's below water. So as the tide changes, the track conditions change. And it's so dependent on that because you're you're based on water. Man, I'd hit a good lap. Then I'd hit a terrible lap. Then I hit a good lap, hit a terrible lap. So it was interesting. I mean, it was... It, it, <laughs> if you watched it on TV, it was awesome. If you were there, you're like, what the hell did I get myself into? So two totally different views. I've seen a lot of positives from the TV viewers, but a lot of people in the stands are like, okay, this was an interesting place. I mean, we ran the track in for an hour and 45, two nights in a row. So anywhere else, it would have been some, sh- it'd been some shit to throw, you know? Yeah, from what it seemed down there, you, you definitely had to have speed. I mean, it's not a, a super big track. It's not a super small track either, you know, a three-eighths. And it looked like you just definitely had to carry speed out of the turns for sure. Exactly. It was huge. I mean, it, like I said, I you, you get disappointed because you want to win every time, but we had speed. We hit, we just got to control it and, and take it for, for where it is. It's It was a wild place. I will definitely be back next year for wherever Brett goes. Maybe next year I can get a month and stay down for Volusia. So we're trying, man. We, we've really lined up a pretty bunch of good sponsors and good people behind me lately. And, uh, you know, hopefully that means it's on me to make my driving duty better, you know? So coming out of either Thursday or Friday, uh, have you talked to JoJo Watson since? I haven't talked to him since. I just I used a $40 front bumper up. It made me feel good about it. Life. I, I didn't agree with what he did. He ran me in the outside wall. He did the officials, but eh. I'll talk to him in the opening day. We'll be all right. It's it's part of the race, and I didn't get in his car like Horton did. So, you know, it could be worse things. So, I was I was not happy. I, it's not the way I raced, not the way I was taught. But you know, everyone teaches to each their own. Yeah, I knew something was going on. They uh, we, we couldn't see it. They had the camera focused on the pit entrance exit area. But uh, the announcers kept talking about it. So we knew something was going on. Exactly. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I had my fun. Wasted a front bumper. You. You can't let. You can't let people push you around or do stupid shit. And you got to fight back. So that's just my theory on it. You know. So going back quite a few years now in your career, um, how was it growing up being Billy the Kid Pouch's son? It's interesting. You know. Uh, man, I grew up in racing since day one. So, you know, I remember going to the races. We'd win every other race almost for a while there. So. You know, it's all I've known, all I've done. Um, I don't know if I will push the issue like him. I think I'm out at 50, 55. I don't think I want to race in my 60s. I just, you know, but it's, it teaches a lot about family, a lot about friends. You meet a lot of great people, but you meet a lot of effed up people too, for lack of better terms. And, and it's been a sport that I've, has cost me many a nights, many a girlfriends, many a everything else. But uh, it's it's also given me a lot back, and it's brought a lot to our family, and done a lot of great things for us. And I I got to tell you, it's been a one interesting world. Um, God, someone told me the other day, and I, I looked it up. I didn't realize it was there. I think I'm uh, I think I'm about five wins away from 100 wins in my career. If I get above 100, make 200, man, I I'm not gonna get 700 and something, but I'll take it. It was way better than 90% of the people out there. I'm never gonna be Billy Pouch. I'm gonna be Billy Pouch Jr. And we're gonna take it as it goes. I mean, winning does come with the Pouch name, right? Well, that's a lot of yelling too. So the older I get, the more I get like him, which is kind of scary. So we'll we'll see how that goes and see see where it goes and the feistiness you put into it. Because it's like I said, at the end of the day, you want to win races and and surround yourself with good people. You know, the biggest thing between me and him is I still have a real job, so I get mad for about five ten minutes and then I realize it doesn't put food on my table. So 
that's a, that's a big factor in what makes things change your mind for you and opinion. Yeah, I think we both can agree. There's a, there's been some times we've seen you get it a little out of hand. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get over. There's a few times where I let it carry away for a long time. There's about one or two drivers when I, uh, when, when I see I have some few choice words that in my mind so but well, we won't get it we won't get into those conversations and uh we'll we'll turn on to a different one. Oh, i'm sure i could name those few right now if i wanted to oh you definitely could you definitely could someone mentioned uh two of their names down there in florida in a restaurant and i said some choice words i shouldn't have said in a restaurant so we'll leave it there so when you came into this world you know your dad was in the in the elite status and you know in his prime at what point in time did you realize that you know, he was the cream of the crop. Well, when they, uh, when they, what's my call it? Uh, um, when I go to the races and they were throwing beer cans at us at Penn national over the stands. Cause he won so much, you know, he was pretty good at that point. You know, they take, they take brooms and then the, the crew would broom the stands. And you know, when you're winning that much, you know, you're on your game and that's what you want, you know, and it was very impressive. You want to get to the point where they're booing you and that's, that's what you got to figure out. And, that's that's what makes it that much better. Yeah, at that point, you're pretty much the New York Yankees of your time. Yes, he was. So at this point in time, when you're you're growing up, you're you know six seven years old. Do you consider to have had a, a normal childhood? You know, hanging out with friends and stuff that someone like myself would associate with their childhood. No, I don't think I ever had a normal childhood, but I went traded for the world. So I spent a lot of time with my family up and down the road and you, you get really close. So I think that's what changed it for down the road. Um, you know, what's cool about him is like I said, since day one, I, and we'll get into my career in a little bit here. You, you drive into different things and different cars. You meet a lot of people. It might cost you some wins, cost you some of this, but you see so much. I can go anywhere and anyone knows Billy Pouch. So it's pretty impressive the name that carries with it. So how cool was it to grow up with this guy as your dad with his multiple 76er wins, multiple Fulton 200s, setting the world on fire in a sprint car? How cool was that? Agreed, 100%. It was really cool. I mean, you know, like I said, he's he's earned all the respect he's gotten and, and worked hard at it. I mean, he's won races. And no matter what you do, you're going to say it. You know, I always bust his butt, but I race a lot more. I've won more races in the last five, six years, but I do race a lot more than he does. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Cool family. Really had a lot of time going up and down the Zemco Road. Man, I've been to Kansas City. I've been to uh, uh, Ohio with him, Indiana, Florida, Georgia, up and down everywhere, every racetrack, every diner. It's, you know, it's an aspect that no people remember back in the day. We used to stop at diners after the races because nothing was open. Now, now my kid can tell you the Wawa menu like the back of his head. So it's, it's amazing how the world's changed just for that little bit of time. So how is it with, uh, with schooling? I mean, I can't imagine you were able to balance going to school and being on the road all at the same time. How did you do that? I was able to kind of balance it. I took a lot of time off in February and stuff. And I was always told my parents told me I had to, I had to get a college education to keep racing. So I made sure I got out and was smart enough. And, you know, I, I got through, I was I probably could be a lot better off in my career and everything if I put more time into it, but I, I also enjoy the racing. So it's a fine line. I, I can remember doing homework, going down the road to Florida. I can, you know, did it on the way to Syracuse, Hagerstown, you name it. I can, I can go back. God, the worst part of the whole year was coming out of Hagerstown, Oktoberfest, heading home. Cause you knew the race season was over for that time. And back then the race season didn't drag on like it does now, man, you know? So you had four or five months now, now I swear we don't even take a break anymore. Yeah, especially with modifieds now, you're done late October, early November, and Florida rolls around in 
early February. I mean, there is no stopping really. No, I mean, I rolled out of, I, I rolled out of Thanksgiving and you know, we ran in January and to be honest with you, I had the sponsorship lined up to stay for, for, uh, for Lucia, but I just couldn't swing it with everything going on. So we came home. So it would have been nonstop, you know, and take the good and the bad. So between traveling with your dad and then in your career, you've been to a lot of racetracks at this point, right? I don't know. I, you know, someone last year, or what's a guy Smith did a thing on track Jason. He reached out to me. So I've made it to 110 racetracks. So that's pretty good. Actually, to be honest with you, I was pretty impressed with that when I read it. So I'd say about 50, 60 with him and 50 on my own. Cause you gotta remember, I, when I was early in my career, I did a lot of the asphalt stuff and I went all up New England and all over the place. So I seen a lot of racetracks with that, that I never thought I would see. When you were a kid, I'm sure you helped him in the shop. What were your, some of your earliest duties? I would take the garbage out. The, you don't even the, even the top guys started sweeping the shitter. If you got to know that, so you got to start at the bottom and work your way to the top. So I used to do tires, wash the cars, same things my kid does now, trying to get him into it. And my dad was so busy that my grandfather really took me under his wing, and I spent a lot of time with my grandfather going up and down the road racing when I was a kid. He he would go everywhere with me, and God rest his soul, he he uh, he straightened my ass straightened my ass out for lack of a better term. So he uh, he was behind my dad's a lot of success. So it was kind of pretty cool. Was there a, a difference between how your relationship was with your grandfather as opposed to the one you had with your dad? Yeah, definitely. I think it was definitely different. He was, uh, both of them had different outtakes and different thoughts on everything, but my grandfather definitely gave me much different views. When your career got started then, did you have the help with, uh, you know, with the crew through your dad or was that all on you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I, we're coming home. I had one crew guy when I was 16 and, uh, my grandfather looked right at him and told him churches for communism. Well, he never came back after that. He's a big church guy. Um, the, you know, I, the first year I raced, you know, everyone says this, I said, I was fortunate to had a kind of car. I, I broke nine out of 20 shows. I preach, I swear working on your race cars ever since, but you live and learn. Sometimes you're more worried about at that age, chasing girls around than you were racing. So, but you got to grow up and learn how it goes. Going back to when you were a kid, at what age did you actually get started then with racing? I was nine years old coming back and, um, what's it call it? Nine years old coming back from basketball practice. And my dad said that if I wanted to race, he would build me a quarter midget, but I had to work an hour each day in the shop. Well, I was able to pull that off and he was able to give me a quarter midget. Actually, he didn't give me a quarter midget for a while. I went to, I actually did quarter midget school with uh lenny sammons he had the kid for davy so i used his car and then my dad didn't get one till mid-year so he even lucked out from that that standpoint now the point where you're getting into quarter midget racing is dad coming with is he around to help or you know are you racing this thing frequently enough that he can still catch it sometimes i only raced when i could once a week once every couple of weeks we won a couple of races here and there but my dad wasn't around he was out making a living racing so i had to go with my grandfather and spend the time i could so it was a lot of fun a lot of experience and definitely uh, a definitely fun family deal and i got i still got trophies from it but i don't i everyone goes oh, i won a thousand quarter midget races come on get quarter major racing it don't count at that point you know so that's that's my own opinion so you're racing you know all the time with this quarter midget and he's not around was that you know a bother to you were you know were you like where's dad where's he at why isn't he around kind of thing no i completely understood it's going to be what it's going to be you know you know that's his job and that's just the way it's going to be you're going to be around and you're going to enjoy it i 
I missed his races a lot more than I did mine early on in the, my career. You know, I missed going to watch him race. I missed a lot of good races with it, but I was fortunate to have some fun and, and enjoy it, you know? So what would you say is the the best or the most notable win that you got to experience when, when he was racing? Ooh, the ROC race at Flemington was pretty impressive. The Williams Grove National Open. I was there for Syracuse. I was there for this 500, this 400, this 600. So pretty cool, man. I've seen a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I think everyone can agree. Your dad's definitely one of the best, if not the, to uh, ever strap into a, to a race car, especially up in the Northeast. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm going to say he's one of the best ever driving a road, to be honest with you, for different cars. So uh, definitely pretty cool, man. Yeah, I saw a video your sister had just done recently where she went through all the the old Billy Pouch senior uh, you know, shirts from back in the day, and you guys got to bring some of them back as a throwback shirt. Those things would sell like hotcakes. Right? That'd be pretty cool as can be, man. They were all old school ones. It was really neat. Now, growing up as, you know, your last name's Pouch, your dad's Billy Pouch, are you at that point under the impression that you're going to have what it takes to knock off wins and be successful? Uh, you know, it took me a little bit to figure out if I had any or whatnot. And then, you know, we got rolling pretty good and, you know, we won some races. Then I moved up into a slingshot and, uh, it was pretty good. Like I said, I, I, I it took me a little bit to get going. I think, I think in, even in my career, I'll be honest with you, you know, not to fast forward too much, Casey, but I, I, I really screwed myself up early. I mean, I didn't screw myself up because I shouldn't say that, but I had a lot of fun. I raced Arca. I raced, oh, uh, yo, I ran up in Northeast mods. I ran anything I could get my hands onto. And it really hurt my win totals. But I also met a lot of people, got a lot of experience, got a lot better as a driver. So I don't know what's right and wrong, but, you know, I could say I had, I've done things that Dwayne Howard, Jeff Strunk, and Craig Von Norman will never do and know people from it. So, you know, it would have been better just to stay around here and race, maybe. But, nah, you know, I got to take it and enjoy the ride, you know? So earlier you brought up that you were approaching 100 wins. And now you just brought up how you screwed yourself out of wins. Is a win total a number? Is that really important? No, nah, I just want to win races, to be honest with you. That's the whole kick. You know what I mean? I don't, not a total statistician. Um, so I just like to go out and see what happens and go from there. You know, I, I have goals. I've always wanted to win 15 races a year. I've won 14 twice in my career. So hopefully this year we can pull it all together and get that back. I think my biggest Achilles heel last year was Big Diamond. I, I kind of stepped on my own willy for back, lack of better terms on some stuff. So I readjusted my program to figure out how to make it so I don't do it two years in a row. The trick to not stepping on your willy is to wear a cup. You should know that. Wear a cup, exactly. Don't step on your willy. So uh, that's that's what I learned. Now, at what point does your dirt career start to actually take off? Oh, man. I drove a micro sprint for a little bit there, 270. Not much. Those things are freaking kill the mosquitoes. So they still drive me nuts when I see them. And then uh, then I went right out of that. And I was a year my dad went to race for Buddy Beaver. He gave me a car to drive at Big Diamond on Friday nights. And my dad was driving for him. As I said, I did all my own work and I broke a lot, broke a lot of times. So he had some success. I think I was rookie of the year, yada, yada, yada. But I, it took me a while. So, so it was, it was a cool experience. I definitely, definitely thanked him for it. But, uh, that's, that was my next step. We've got a lot of, a lot of time and modified. And then we just kind of, kind of progressed from there. Went bounce, bounced back around, ran some sportsmen, some street stock from there. I never really ran a lot of sportsmen, maybe 10 races in my career. 
And then where did I go from there? Then I went to run some asphalt. A little bit of everything, Casey, to be honest with you. So it was it was definitely an exciting adventure. So how did you get yourself roped into the asphalt stuff? I was trying to get to NASCAR, and I kind of fell in. One of my dad's sponsors had an asphalt modified. Well, he fired his driver and said, oh, let me give me a call. I boop. Guy calls up. I went up the following weekend to Connecticut. Never met the guy in my life. Drived across the Tappan Zee Bridge for the first time. Fucking showed up on Thursday to this guy's house. Dug the dude. Um, he worked on the car. We we went out. We went to Thompson Motor Speedway that night. And I'll never forget, Johnny Blewett pulled over and said, follow me. And I followed him around the racetrack and got some laps. And then we, we went from there over to Stafford. Um, it took me a little bit to get everything situated. It was definitely, uh, definitely a challenge for sure. But man, I, I did some cool things with that. So you're a young man running asphalt mods. Are you showing up with the, the pouch name and the kind of the arrogance and cockiness? Like I'm going to kick your ass attitude. No, actually, I was the other way around. I was a little more timid to run into people and stuff like that and just not a little more shy and apologetic. And now you just I had to grow out of that stage. For some reason, I took the vice versa from it for whatever reason. So it was it was interesting. I guess I take the philosophy of I didn't want to you know be an ass. But now all these kids nowadays, they drive over their head. But that's a different story, different day. I, I still believe as a as a modified driver, your best time is your 30 to 45, 50. At your best years of your career in the term modified. So that's my own opinion. It's not sprint cars. Sprint cars are young. Once you get to about 40, you're about done. So it's definitely a different aspect of racing. Yeah, your dad's a little on the shy side too, but he carries that big intimidation factor as well. Yes, he does. Now, if not mistaken, the 94 sprint car team, Davey Brown, was the wrench on that car. Uh, you know, the infamous wrench from the, from the Kreitz team nowadays. How was it? being around someone that had that much knowledge to share. No, oh, yeah. He helped my dad and stuff for a couple of years there. Very, very impressive. Pretty damn cool, man. 84 years old and definitely helps their program. So it's cool to see those guys still going and winning races. Going back to your asphalt career now, how successful were you in the asphalt mod? Did, did you get any wins? No, I never got some wins. I got a couple top fives. Just, you know, that NASCAR modified tour was a tough deal. It was all Connecticut based deal. And we're running out of Jersey with a bunch of, bunch of saturday night racers trying to figure it out casey you know and then we decided to get an arca car we got i think i got 10th and 12th up at pocono through at 200 then i broke the other two so it was it was different i wish i could if i'd have done it different if i did it again i'd do it differently but yeah like i said I, I got to go to martinsville new hampshire new smyrna i did a bunch of cool ass racing on that end of it but it just wasn't the knowledge and the depth that I needed to make it really work. Well, who were some of the big names that were running asphalt at that time? Uh, Mike Stefanik, Ted Christopher, you know, they were big in that side of it. Donnie Leah, uh, Doug Kobe, all those guys, man. You can go see them nowadays. It was pretty cool. I, I Like I said, a lot of the history, a lot of the people that ran it for years. And, you know, I was catching the end when Ed Flemke and them were retiring. So definitely neat, man, the, the people and the stuff I was around. So now we're at the point where your asphalt career comes to an end. How does that transition with getting back into the dirt stuff? Yeah, so Bob Green actually put me back in that place when I left. He he offered me a deal to come back full time. He wanted me to run Grandview and Diamond. Um, I come back that year, and we were all set up for Davey Hoffman to be my crew chief. And come February, he decided he was going back to Montana. So 
lucky at that time I was in college. We we I'd I'd go to college Monday through Wednesday, and then I'd go live in Bob Green's basement for four nights and get the cars ready for the weekend. Then we moved them to Bay Shores for a little bit. And that's where we kept them. We won a couple races that year, three or four, but um, getting towards the end of the year. Um, that was when Von Dorn was going to jump on the on the ship, and the economy took a shit, and it kind of really put us in a pickle. So that that really that was the biggest turning point in my career. Okay, where are we at? We went from the top of everything back to back to the bottom, and what was going to happen? It's funny. I was telling the story the other day. It's Bob Green was the only one that I really kind of ended bad with when we that way, and it wasn't my fault. It was an outside source that really kind of screwed our relationship up. So we, we really got back and <laughs> he's a good friend. Now he came down to Florida with me and helped me out and he's going to be on my big diamond car next year. So, you know, it's weird how this world works, but it's, I got, I got kicked down at that. I'm pioneer was getting out of the sport. I said, okay, what are we going to do now? So a few of my sponsors kicked in. And I didn't know which way I was going to go, Casey. So coming back, I called uh, Sean Fitzpatrick. He gave me the advice and I, and I went and did it on my own. And that, at that point I took that and took a ride with uh, the Eastern Rigging 11. And, but I think 2010, I don't think we won a race. We won, won a couple of midget races that year, one or two, but we didn't win any modified races. We struggled for the next year or two. Just didn't have the money to do what I was doing and do it right um, at that point. So I think I got, I think it was 11 or 12 when I got the brilliant idea, I'm going to go sprint car racing. <laughs> so I went and drove a 358 sprint car at Lincoln. We won the rookie of the year that year and got fourth and we continued to run diamond. I think we won or got second, you know, or, you know, we weren't, we weren't bad all year. So it was, it was definitely an interesting transition. Um, that was another, another cool step in my career when I did some sprint car racing and got some, got really a lot more better at car control and figuring things out. What made you decide to hop into a sprint car? Definitely. I just, I was tired of the, politics at Grandview and Diamond so I needed a break and I went like I said I took sprint car races up for two years just to to get away from the drama so even today I don't think the drama ever ends you know how do you keep yourself away from it now the older you get the better I've got at it I'm out of drama I don't want to know there's a reason I park out back at Big Diamond so when I started parking out back at Big Diamond no one parked out there now it's the cool thing to do I can't even find my goddamn spot I refuse. I I refuse to pay for a spot at Big Diamond. That's been my rule since day one. So I park out back. Now everyone parks out back. And I, what the heck's the story here? You know. Well, this year coming up, you better get there bright and early to get your parking spot out back. Why is that? Why is that? This year's going to be absolutely insane at Diamond. There is a ton of people committing to running the full season this year. I've seen it's going to be pretty good. I'll, I'll, I Here's how it's going to go. It goes every year. We're going to start out with 35 cars, and by July, everyone will be burned out and be about 24 to 28. We'll see about that. We know how you like to roll in around 7 o'clock, but uh, you might have to park down at the bottom. All right. I'll park down the bottom. I, I've refused. That is my one pet peeve since day one. I will not pay for a parking spot. You can do whatever. You know, People get free passes, get that. I just do not pay for a parking spot. So now at this point in your modified career, you know, your dad's still around, still racing, still competitive through the years. Has he been there hands on helping with the car or giving you advice, you know, helping with the teams that you've ran for anything like that? He was definitely helped me out a lot. He was definitely, you know, giving me a lot of setup knowledge and, and just and going from there. I mean, he wasn't, he's never really been hands on. God, I don't think 
given me a shot, but I've had to do everything on my own since, since about I was 14. So, but he, he's there to bounce ideas. We just drive differently and do things differently. So we can't, we got to take that with a grain of salt. So one interesting thing I found out about you, I was nosing around on your website, which everyone can, can go check out billypouchjr.com. Uh, you have Fulton listed as your favorite track. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time you were at Fulton, you barreled it down the backstretch. Yeah, I still like the place. I mean, it doesn't mean I hate it. You know, I I did a hell of a barrel roll down the track. So, you know, that was a, that was an interesting experience. But, you know, everyone's got things. Things have changed so much in the outlook of racing and stuff so that it makes it very much more you know different. So a place like Fulton, where your dad has numerous 200 lap wins, when you plan to go to a place like that, is he giving you any type of inside scoop? Like, this is what the track's going to do. This is how you should run. This is how you should set the car up. Not normally. <laughs> Usually I got to figure it out on my own. No, he's not big on that, you know, to be honest with you. So he just comes over and rips me a new ass when I do things wrong. So how difficult is it to run as many different divisions at nights a week as you currently do? Ah, I've been trying to downsize too, and I've, I've gotten better with it. You know, it's, it's getting harder and harder the older I get with two kids to keep everything straight, but it's a great group of people. I mean, the Holston 96 is awesome. We've been together forever, uh, seven years and, you know, we run the micro a little bit, which I don't know I'm going to run full time. Then I got three of my own and then a speedster. So it gets challenging, man. I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong doing it the way I am. One day I'd like to pull it all in house and hire a crew chief and just keep it at one place. Maybe that'll be in the next couple of years. We'll see what happens. But I did. I did notice like last year, I noticed my, you know, my modified program, my own stuff was off because I was off screwing with everything else. And I said, OK, let me readjust this and figure out what I need to do to make it right. Between running a speedster, a micro, three different modifieds, different tracks, different nights, different divisions, how do you keep it all organized? It's a big spreadsheet that I go master on that, to be honest with you. So I know Ricky wants to run with the 96, wants to run New Egypt and all the, and those specials in the South series and maybe some Georgetown. And then I know I'm going to run that uh, for Joel, Joel's Automotive 19 and all the Bridgeport shows and a few here. And then I know I'm going to run my car diamond and some other shows. So just kind of making sense of what works. And, you know, then I know cuts down and I said, okay, I don't like the race any more than three nights a week. All right. Wouldn't make sense of what fits. Cause once I get to night four, I'm miserable. I don't even want to be there. And if you don't want to be there doing something, why are you doing it? Out of all the divisions you currently run and the ones you have in the past, is there any division out there that you haven't ran that you'd like to hop into a late model? And I want to do that. It seems to be the new trend. I mean, Larson hopped in one. Stewie's now getting involved with one. I could totally see you hopping in a super late model. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe that's my next gig. Maybe I'm going to go late model racing. I don't know. I got those people that would probably help me. So we'll, we'll have to talk about that. One thing I wanted to bring up that I know you had a chance to do uh, is walk across that stage on Saturday night for the A-Main at the Chili Bowl. How cool of an, an experience was that? Oh, that's awesome, man. Everyone's got to see it, Casey. you gotta, you got to get out of the modified world and go check it out. It's definitely pretty cool. You know what I mean? Me? Get out of modified world? Look, when I'm not working or, you know, hanging out on a Saturday night, in my mind, I live in a midgets and super late model world. Ah, nice, nice. I like it, you know. Um, it's cool. It, it was awesome. Midgets are my favorite ass thing in the world to drive. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I was able to do that experience for sure. So is making the A at the Chili Bowl something you can say you've done and your dad hasn't? Or has he actually 
going out to the Chili Bowl. Yeah, he's made it there once or twice, actually, in the A-Main. So it was kind of cool to do something he'd done for sure. You know what I mean? No shit. Really? Yes, he has. He's made it twice. That is so cool. I did not know that. And I don't know that a lot of people listening to this episode may have known that either. Yes. So my next thought is, how did you meet your wife? As much as you grew up and around the sport and being at different tracks, did you meet her at the track or did you somehow actually meet her outside of the racing world? <laughs> outside of the racing world. God bless her. She's a saint. So uh, we actually, uh, we my last end of my senior year, we met together and uh We've been uh, we've been together since. So she's gone up and down the road. She's watched race cars. We've we've spent a lot of time. She stayed in you know places with a bunch of guys, you know, because we're all there. And she's she's made it work. Uh, God bless her. It's definitely got a little harder with two kids. So she's not around as much, but she's there as much as she can. And you know, I always said if you find the right one, keep her because they're tough to find in this racing world. Yeah, your wife's definitely one of the good ones. And you, you know, you're right. Once you uh, meet the the right one in the racing world, you definitely got to put out a ring on it for sure. Oh, a little, a little, a little bit of everything there, you know. I mean, I know a guy that got married on the way to the racetrack. I mean, hey, get it right. Lincoln was already scheduled. That was going to be the honeymoon. Nice, even better. Yeah, your your wife's definitely one of the nicest people I've met. Uh, you know, around this sport for sure, and you know she tolerates with you and, and and puts up with your hectic racing schedule. So, yeah, she's definitely one of the good ones. No, very lucky on that side. I mean, she wasn't a pit lizard like some of them out there. So we, we turned out pretty good, you know. Here, um, you know, how would you summarize your your 2020 season? Oh shit! It was one of them woulda, shoulda, coulda years. We should have won freaking. I got broke leading six or seven times, and should have been that year. We won a lot of races, but we got five. We got we sh- we lost the New Egypt Championship because I got sick. I missed uh, cuts down, tw- uh, so I lost two championships there. Like I said, the what should have good year. It would have been that year we had four championships in one year if I wouldn't have missed a race at each track. Um, my diamond program absolutely sucked, um, as I've said on day one. So I went back to work. We we bought a new car, brought in some new sponsors, some names on my car that are going to shock some people, and uh, made it much better. So I had to reevaluate and say, okay, what well, makes sense? And get the heck back in gear here. Oh, so you got a brand new one for us on Fridays, huh? Yes, it is. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I got I got my car from last year that I might start out with and then bring the new one out in like June or July when it's really ready. So we, we've got two cars complete, ready to go. And then I got a big open. I got an open small block. Ricky's got two big open small blocks and a new Egypt car. So we got some equipment. Your Time to go racing on social media, you know, and her vlogs and her YouTube videos and all, all of that. How has that affected your racing career? If at any, you know, are people showing up at racetracks and, you know, basically saying, oh, I saw you on on Mandy's video and now we're here kind of thing. Yes, it is. So I seen more of that in Florida than you can imagine. Hey, I came to I came to Bubba's because I watched your sister's vlogs. Hey, I came to Bubba's because I watched your sister's vlogs. Pretty damn cool. I mean, 22,000 people follow her. That's pretty impressive for her. So she's she takes it to the to the extreme. She's got some kick ass camera views and it's pretty cool. That's it's definitely a neat deal there for sure. So it's, I mean, she takes it to the new stream. I, I, I hope tracks appreciate it. She gets a lot of fans out there. A lot of people. It's pretty cool what she does. I don't know. I don't know if that helped me by popularity or popularity or just diamond or everything in general, but you know, we've, we've really had a great year selling t-shirts and selling fan bases and getting them bigger and drawing people to the racetrack. I mean, you know, I, I think the only one that gets a louder cheer at diamond every Friday night is Craig Mondorn. So if I'm getting closer, maybe if I comb my hair and shine my teeth up, I might get more. So we'll see 
what happens. I don't think shining your teeth or combing your hair is going to do you any good. There you go. I was just I was just trying to bust on Craig because all the, every, all these girls always say he's a cute guy, cute, uh, good looking guy. I actually think I know why you sell as much merch as you do. What's that? It's all BP3. Yes. He's always around. He always has a smile on. It's definitely his presence. Yes, he is. Let's be honest. Without him, I don't know how you'd sell any. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, who the hell would want one of my shirts? I'd burn them. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll be straight honest with you. The Cold Cracker, we sold every single shirt we had at a, at a one order. So, so that's that's it's been pretty cool. I gotta say, like I said, you know, you take it for a grain of salt. I've been running Big Diamond. That's one of the reasons I go back, and I go back there every Friday night. You know, let's be honest. I know why you keep coming back, and it's because you like to see me. I like you. That's about the only reason, to be honest with you. You know, now I'm just joking. I do, I do enjoy you. I'm glad you work there. You, you knew I bust your butt. But I'm thankful because you do care about the sport. I like the pit announcer. He's a great guy. I like Mark. I really do. Um, Jake, I really don't deal with. He's he's in a hit or miss one, you know. So you take Jake as he comes. I like Jake as a person. I just don't have to deal with him much, so I, I couldn't tell you. But uh, I, I do appreciate you taking your you know, time out of your day to uh, do a, a nice interview here on the Four Wide Salute podcast. I do appreciate it. No, heck yeah, man. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. I'm hoping we can get a picture. I'm hoping you roll south in 40 days for Georgetown and we can put a picture together because I'm telling you, I think I'm pretty excited about it. Well, you know, you'll see me at Georgetown. That's a given. Oh, I hope you are because I'm pretty, like I said, I can't wait to get it started. Hopefully the snow's melted and we can you know, get back at the, at the game. Yeah, and I guess we can do the photo op. Better get my shit together because we're getting one and we're hanging it in the pitch shack at Big Diamond. Oh, here we go. With a big middle finger we and it's going to say on the bottom, Casey's favorite. Go screw yourself. I think we need to bring this to an end before it gets completely out of hand. Alright, no, no, I'm just busting. I one last thing before I uh, let you go, I do want to ask how um, how's the how you doing after the wreck at Port Royal last year? That was pretty brutal. It's, my back hurt for about a month or two. My I knock on wood didn't get knocked out, but we were coming down the backstretch, and as I learned now, the secondary stuck on the carburetor, and it did not stop. And I mean, I hit a ton. So once it got out, I was like, oh, you know, man, it just, it killed us. You know, put us behind as a team, put me behind. We're thankful we dug out of what we did. So it it just, it was, it was just a rough one, you know? Well, I think we're all very thankful that, you know, you're doing better. You're all right. And that it wasn't any worse than what it was. I mean, that was definitely pretty brutal from, from my point of view. Exactly. All I can say is I popped right out of the thing. I wasn't sitting there. You know what I mean? So before I let you go, any uh, sponsors, people you'd like to give a shout out to? Just everyone that makes the car go up and down the road, man. I got a lot of great people. A lot of awesome things happening. Um, great new crew guys. Great new things. I don't know, man. I'm I'm on the positive side. Of, had some speed in Florida. Didn't get the results, but the speed's there. Speed's something you can't find. So now we just tame it down and make it work. Thanks for everyone to come on, the fans, the people. Casey, for having me, um, for giving me shit every Friday night. And um, there'll be a nice cold beer for him at the end of the show. All right, Billy, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, I will catch up with you later, my friend. Thank you, buddy.